Welcome to the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. I'm Derek Glover, preacher of the Monroe Church of Christ in Monroe, Wisconsin, and I want to thank you for joining us. I hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment or a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, or someone that you think would be interested to know more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Good morning, church. Good morning. It's a wonderful and beautiful day. It's good to have the windows open a little bit and to be here and be together on this gorgeous Sunday morning here in Monroe, and I'm glad all of you could be here as well. Um, Each week we kind of see a few new faces that we didn't see the week before, and uh, as time goes on, hopefully we see that more and more. It's it's just wonderful to be here. Uh, Have you ever... Have you ever wanted to be a part of something and not been able to be? Have you ever longed to be a part of a a certain group or a club or something that was a little bit exclusive, but you were told you didn't really belong? You weren't really allowed? You know, we don't face that a whole lot, I would say. Maybe when we're younger, we see that that kind of thing happening with, with school children. In adulthood, it's a little more subtle. Maybe it happens in professional circles or even in relationships. But sometimes, and it maybe is the most painful of times, we are told you don't belong. You don't have a place. As we study God's word and we study the Old Testament, and we look at God's people and their relationship with him, it was entirely predicated upon this idea that there was a law that could keep them clean enough and pure enough to be acceptable to God. God's demand for perfection, by the way, has not changed. He is the same today as he has always been. Uh, We hear it say, God doesn't ask you to be perfect. Well, that's not technically true. He demands holiness and righteousness. The difference is, how do we get there? Well, under the old law, they got there by keeping the letter of the law. And that was supposed to bring them to a place of acceptance by God. God had in mind that certain people would have certain tasks, certain tribes, in fact. The Levites were set aside as the tribe of the priests. We talked a little bit about this in our Wednesday night study of Hebrews that was was, uh, interrupted by COVID-19. But we, we were talking about how the Levites were the ones who... Uh, handled all religious ceremony and practice. As the priests, they handled all the duties within the temple. Now you had certain families and you had priests and high priests, but you also had people who were part of the Levitical tribe that cleaned the temple, that cared for the grounds, that served as guards for the temple. And you know what those guards did? They rode around on horseback looking for people who weren't supposed to be in there. We think of the temple sometimes like our church building. That certain times of of the week, well, the Israelites were just coming in and out of there, doing their uh, spiritual business. That's not true. Most people were not allowed in there. Most people didn't have a place in there. If you had any sort of physical abnormality, any defect, anything wrong with you as judged by the priests, you weren't allowed to go in. You weren't allowed to participate. That is why those people would sit out in front of the temple begging 
those who were disabled in some way or who had some sort of ailment from birth. We see Jesus and his apostles interacting with those folks on a regular basis in Scripture. That's why they were there. They weren't allowed to go in. When he healed the man, when they healed the man that couldn't walk, when, when Peter and John did that in the book of Acts, and he went in to the temple, that was the first time. They noticed, because he'd never been in there before, because he wasn't allowed to be. As wonderful and beautiful and perfect as the law of Moses was, and it was because God wrote it, the way that man went about keeping it was absolutely wrong. And really, that was kind of the point. When we get to Jesus, you know, the old law was just there to kind of keep them alive and keep God from killing them until Jesus could get there. And then Jesus shows up and we have a different message, a different mechanism for drawing close to God. And when Christ begins his ministry, he starts out with this, Lengthy, takes up three chapters in the book of Matthew, lengthy description and explanation, theses, if you will, of his law, God's law through him. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. For the next few weeks, next several weeks, we're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount because there may be no more critical passages in Scripture to really understanding the heart of how we are to live. We study a lot about how we're saved. We talk a lot about what makes us righteous. And unlike, unlike that old law, we're made righteous by this new law, by Christ. We, it doesn't rely on us to keep uh, his will perfectly and do things in a, in a specific way all the time and, and, and never sin because we can't do that. What it does require is us to accept Jesus Christ to be baptized, and to live as people of faith. And in doing so, we are drawn near to God, and we are made righteous, and we are justified. God still is satisfied with the righteousness of our lives, but we are no longer under the, this pressure to be perfect, because we weren't made to be perfect. Jesus makes us perfect, makes us acceptable to God, and that is how we live. And the question is, well, what do we do? We don't have anything, you know, we don't have the old law as they had it. We, we have to be guided somewhat by conscience, somewhat by example, and somewhat by the commands of Christ himself. And that feels a little less concrete sometimes. So we go to places like the Sermon on the Mount. We go to Paul's epistles. We go to other places in Scripture for an understanding of how do we walk this walk. If we're justified by Christ and by his blood then how we walk is going to look different, and it ought to. Well, how do we do that? So we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to hear directly from Christ himself. And as he explains to us, here is an acceptable way to live. But he's not going to say it as a rewriting of the old law. He's not going to say it as an abolishment of the old law. He's going to say it as a contrast to the old law. Because Jesus didn't get rid of the law of Moses. He answered all of the questions that the law of Moses asked. That law was asking some implicit questions. Can mankind earn a place with God? Well, the answer is no. And that's why Jesus shows up. The question is, can mankind 
maintain a relationship of holiness with God? And the answer is no. Jesus has to bridge that gap. And the question is, does mankind need to be governed by specific laws in order to have this relationship with God? And the answer is no, and that's why Christ came. Because it opens up the promise of salvation. It opens up the home with God to all people. What once was narrow is now broad. What once was Israelites is now all of mankind. We have this open door through Christ. He opens it and asks us to enter. And so he's not trashing the old law. He's not saying it's wrong, you need to forget about it. He's saying, hey, all these questions it's asking... All of these things that have, it's constructed, I'm the answer. I am the sacrifice. I am the lawgiver. I am the high priest. All those things that were written about in Hebrews later on are about how Jesus fulfills that old law. And so when he speaks in the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't speak about it like a politician speak about one another's platforms. Well, my friend on the other side of the aisle is completely wrong. And here's why. He doesn't say the old law is completely wrong. You need to forget about it. And you need to go my way. He says, hey, the old law said this. And that was important for its time. And here's why. But I'm going to tell you this. And the difference between the two is not one is less strict or more strict than the other. Or one is more practical or less practical than the other. The difference typically is one of them is more a question of our heart. Anybody can go through the motions. Uh, my uh, grandfather, who was known to be a, a, a bit of a smart aleck, uh, I know that would shock you to, to learn that my genetic composition descends from such things, but, uh, but he, would, there was the, he lived in a small town. It was very Mayberry-esque where they lived. And they had a pharmacist, right? And he sat up at that big counter, and he put the pills in the bottles. My grandfather was in there one day, and, he's, and my grandfather you know, worked in the uh, engineering field. He wasn't an engineer himself per se, but, but worked, knew about as much as the engineers did from, from his upbringing. But, and he said something to the pharmacist one day about you know, sitting up there just counting pills. He was like, it must be pretty nice to get paid what you do just to count pills all day. And he looked at my grandfather and he said, if all there was to it was counting pills, anybody could do it but I'm a pharmacist. It's more than just counting pills. Sometimes it looks like it's something that it's not. Sometimes it looks like it's simple, and sometimes we can look at it and say, well, anybody can do that, because anybody can just count pills. Anybody can go through the motions and look like they're doing a certain job. Anybody can fulfill by rote action the obligations of the old law, but that's not what God's after. And so when Jesus sets up his contrasts in the Sermon on the Mount, he'll say, you've heard it said this way, but I tell you this. Well, why does that matter? Because anybody could do that and not love God. But you can't love God and not live the way I want you to live. That's what Jesus is telling this audience, and it's what he's telling us. So really, as we read through this, we will see Christ fulfilling and advancing the law of God. He's bringing it into a new era, a new dispensation, a new paradigm. God is no longer asking for step-by-step -step adherence to a procedure 
a cookbook for salvation. He's asking you to give him his heart. You will still live in service to him. You, you will still exhibit faithfulness to him, but you're going to start with your heart and let that lead your actions. Jesus is flipping things around. And ultimately what he's doing, to go back to that idea of being kept out of the, of the group, being kind of excluded, being told you don't belong, what Jesus is doing to these common people gathered around him is he's giving them permission to be righteous. He's giving them permission to be righteous and have a relationship with God. Because what does man do to God's law? Boy, we like to fill in a lot of blanks between the lines. And we like to use it to punish one another. And we like to establish institutional kind of structures within it that weren't ever intended to be there. And that's, that's certainly where the Jews were at this time. They had their, their own, I mean, you, you want to talk about a mafia family. Those high priests, that was about as close as you could get in the first century in Jerusalem. The high priesthood was in one family, and it was a rotating chair. They just took turns being the high priest. It was corrupt. It was self-serving. And here Jesus finds himself, and he begins his ministry, okay? He's baptized. He goes to the wilderness. He kind of has a little duel there with, with Satan, over a few things. Satan tries to knock him off course. Jesus says, I don't think so. And then he gets back into society a little bit and begins healing and teaching. Now what happens when someone comes through town doing a lot of miraculous and strange things and saying things that don't make any sense uh, or things we haven't heard before? Well, we want to hear more. And so he develops a following. And back in those days, a following was actually a physical following. You couldn't keep up with Jesus on Instagram, so you actually had to get out and walk and see where he was going. And they walked with him, and they listened to him, and they learned from him. And Jesus, I love chapter 5, verse 1, because it's just been talking about where all he's been going and, and what all he's been doing and, and healing people and, and calling disciples. And then it says in verse 1 of chapter 5, when Jesus saw the crowds, like he, as if he turned and went, oh, well, looky there, there's a bunch of people. And they're following me. And he decides, here is the time when I will speak. And so he went up on the mountain and he sat down. And this, this would have been typical, by the way. Uh, I wish we'd go back to this sometimes. Uh, in in, in, in the, their culture, Semitic culture, the teacher sat and the listeners stood around. Uh, that would be nice some Sundays because, boy, my feet hurt. Um, but that's what he did. He sat, and they all gathered to listen. And he spoke. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I've always found it interesting that Christ chose to open his sermon with that. <clears throat> we call it a sermon. But he opens this time 
speaking to this crowd with these words. Now we know that if you've grown up in church very much, you know those. You can almost memorize them. And well, I did. I think when we were in, I was probably in the third grade, and we had to memorize the Beatitudes. And I can almost still probably say them off the top of my head verbatim. But it was brand new to them. They'd never heard it. Not only had they never heard those words, they'd never heard anything like that. The poor in spirit, the meek, the gentle, the peacemaker, those who mourn. <clears throat> we read about how uh, the Israelites mourned things. There was a lot of ashes and putting on different clothes and tearing clothes and pulling out hair. It was a very impassioned physical manifestation of mourning, and it was a shameful thing. When there was mourning in a household, they dressed themselves down and they beat themselves up and they made themselves less because they were in shame over their loss. There was a, there was a shame that came with some of these things. Grief and, and meekness and gentleness. And Jesus is looking around as he says this, and you know there are people in the crowd that they don't have a place in the temple. God has this law. God has this world for them. God has chosen his people, and they don't feel a part of it. And if you or I had been there, we certainly were not a part of it. We weren't part of the chosen nation. A whole lot of people in this world were on the outside looking in, and the people on the inside weren't really, and they didn't know it yet. A lot of people were missing out. And Jesus is saying, no, it is for you. The kingdom of heaven, that's for you people who are hurting. Inheriting the earth, that's for you who are the comforters and the people crying out for answers. Here is permission for you to be righteous. Here is an open door for you to have a relationship with me. And for the next three chapters in the book of Matthew, that's going to be his message. I am coming to do something transformative. It's going to change the way you see God, and it's going to change the way you live. And as we study through it together, I hope that we are reminded, and maybe we are able to kind of drill down and even simplify a little bit how we approach our daily life to please God have hearts that are tuned to his will, to have attitudes of love and comfort for others, and to understand that righteousness is something that is for all people to share a part of if they will accept Christ, and we are the messengers of that gospel. So I hope these next several weeks are encouraging and beneficial. Jesus is reaching out his hand. He is opening his arms. And if you are listening to these lessons and you're reading along and you have felt like you don't have a place in the kingdom of God, Jesus is speaking to you as well, giving you permission to be righteous. You are more than good enough because good enough doesn't matter. Christ was perfect. And if he knows your name, then God knows your name. If you are uh, struggling in that journey, uh, as, as so many are, in fact, all of us are, um, we all have things in life that drag us down. 
When we talk about struggling in our journey, sometimes we think of that as like sin. Sin that's tripping us up and causing us trouble or division with God. But really, sometimes life is just hard. And when life is hard, it's hard to focus on God. It should be the opposite. The hard times should be when we're talking to God the most, but it's, it's not. Sometimes life is hard, and it's scary, and it's challenging, and it's unknown. And in all of our attempts to try and get that back on track, we forget who's really in charge. And so this morning, if you're struggling with that, if, you, if you're wading through that water, then we want to remind you that all of us are in that boat. And we want to hold one another and talk with one another and walk with one another and care for one another. That's what a church family does. And that's what we want to do. And if you have a special need that you need to make known, uh, then we want to offer an opportunity at this time uh, for you to do that. Or if you want to put on Christ in baptism and be made a new creation in his name, then we offer this opportunity this morning as we stand and while Tim leads us in song. Thank you for joining us for the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. We hope that you have found today's message to be uplifting, inspirational, and encouraging. Most of all, we hope that it helps you along your spiritual journey. If you have any questions or comments or would like to drop us a line, you can do so at MonroeWICOC at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to you joining us next week.